Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. Thank you for streaming this message. I believe this message will encourage you, it will inspire you, and it'll help you live the supernatural lifestyle of faith. We want you to live this supernatural lifestyle of faith, not have supernatural moments, but have it as a lifestyle. So we put all of this content out for you to receive so you can grow and live the life that Jesus made available for you. To find more information about our ministry and our resources, you can visit us at FCCGA.com or you can download our Faith Plus app. Our Faith Plus app has thousands of hours of faith building content and it's available in your app store right now. Open your heart. God's going to share something special to you through this message. Life. Praise God. Go with me to 1 John chapter 2. We're going to start with verse 18. We won't do much review tonight. So at 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, this is part 9 of our study of the book of 1 John. Of course, you'll be able to find all other parts later on tonight on YouTube, as well as on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and on our Faith Plus app. And if you can find my notes in the Version Bible app, as well as the Faith Plus app, I don't have a lot of notes for you today. But my goal to tonight is to finish chapter 2, which will position us for some of the things we're going to talk about on Resurrection Sunday, as well as next week, Wednesday. So 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, I'll be reading from the New King James Version. It says, little children. And remember, by this point, the Apostle John, as he calls himself in 2 John and 3 John, the elder, he is more than likely in his 90s at this point. He is the last remaining apostle that walked with Jesus. He is the elder of the church at large. And people come from across not just the region, but from the known world to spend time with them, to, for him to pour into them. He pours into leaders and different believers. He lives outside on the edge of the city of Ephesus, his house is on the hill overlooking the city. He oversees the churches that we see mentioned in the book of Revelation in chapters 1 through 3. And so when you see this phrase, little children, hear the love and the care and the compassion and the wisdom of a spiritual father writing to those he's imparting to. He says, little children, it is the last hour. Now, this should make you think, as those who live in 2023, that if he said it's the last hour, then how much closer are we through that hour almost 2,000 years later? He says, it is the last hour. And as you've heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come by which we know that it is the last hour. And so a lot of times people focus on the Antichrist, who we can talk about from the book of Daniel. When we did a study of the book of Daniel uh, last year, we talked about how he's identified as the little horn with the big mouth. And he speaks swelling words, braggadocious words, prideful words, and blasphemous words. And he just sees people through his words. And so we identified him as the Antichrist. And we see other things as we taught on that. And if you're looking for that series, is on the Faith Plus app as well. We identified this individual who is coming one day and who will be the Antichrist. And Antichrist simply means against the anointed one, against the anointing. But John adds in clarity, he says, even now there are many Antichrists have come. So yes, the individual that everybody focuses on will show up one day, but there are many who are against the anointed one. There are many who are against the anointing. And he says, that's how you know that it is the last hour. So that lets you know that there'll be a lot of those who fall in that same mold of Antichrist those who are against the anointed one, those who are against the anointed. And John defines what it is in this letter, how you know if they are of the spirit of Antichrist as we keep going. Remember we said the Apostle John uses an ancient technique of amplification. So he'll touch on a topic and circle back to it and add a clarity and then circle back to it and add more clarity. So we'll amplify the subject as we go through this letter where he says, you know that is in the last hour because now you have many. And if you had many around 100 AD, imagine how many you have in 2023. 
Verse 19 says, they went out from us, but they are not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. As we've covered, you know, why John wrote this letter and what was going on in the church, the church was facing pressure and attack from people they thought were believers, but who were fake Christians who wanted to be with them, who left them and came back with a quote unquote superior doctrine and their superior doctrine denied that Jesus came into the flesh. It denied that uh, that he was actually fully human or fully even present physically. And they had all these different things. And not only did they deny it, they were teaching things. So everything in the material world is bad. And because it's bad, everything in the spirit world is good and nothing from the material world can corrupt your spirit. So you can do whatever you want with your body. And so they became very loose and very immoral, very lascivious in their acting and their living. And they're trying to teach those ways to the church of Lord Jesus Christ. And so in this letter, John is correcting those things and coming against that deception that deception he calls in other places the enemy of the truth but also the that that is against the anointed one against the way of living jesus commanded us to live let's keep going he says but you have an anointing from the holy one and you know all things so how is he countering the activities of these antichrists how is he countering the activities of those who are against the anointing? Simply with the anointing. Remember, we looked at a couple of weeks ago, the great reminder, how we saw in verse 12 through verse 16, how John reminds them again and again who they are, what they've done, what they've overcome. And here we see that there is an anointing that they have received. They've received an anointing. And actually, I'm going to pause right here because I saw a really good question in this chat, and I want to address it. He says, I wonder if the Antichrist is kind of like a species or like a type or like a race or some sort is set up at being just a single being. And so I'm going to teach on that, that very quickly. You guys okay if I teach on that? If you're okay if I teach on it real quick, go ahead and say, go ahead and teach on it. Go ahead and say, teach on it, Pastor. Go ahead and put it in the chat. If you're okay with me teaching on that for just a moment so I can give you some clarity about the Antichrist. So this Antichrist, there is going to be an individual who will be identified as the Antichrist. In the book of Revelation, he's called the beast. In the book of Daniel, he's called the little horn with a big swelling mouth, with a, speaks big swelling words. There will be an individual who stands up as a world leader in the end of the end times. Now, one of the things you learn from 1 Thessalonians, because he's called the son of perdition there, one of the reasons he can't show up now is because the church is here and the church holds back the activities, not just the Antichrist, but the spirit of Antichrist. So the Antichrist, that individual who is the Antichrist, cannot be revealed until the church is removed away. And so this Antichrist will worship Satan and will lead millions into the worship of Satan and following Satan's principles or Satan's kingdom. Now, although he is a world ruler, he will not control the whole world. When he studied the book of Revelation and understanding the book of Revelation with the understanding of the book of Daniel, he will not control the whole world. He will roughly rule about one fourth of the world, parts of Europe and parts of North Africa, because that's what we see from the books of Daniel. 
And so he won't control the whole world. And so although he has this large area of territory under his influence and under his control and under his dominion, he is constantly putting out fights in his own kingdom in the years that he rules. He also has threats from the east when he rules. He has threats from the far east, which would be the areas that we know in the far east and in the Asian areas. But he'll also have threats in other parts of the world. So one of the things you realize when you study the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation, although he gets a lot of people to follow him, he is one of the greatest failures in history because he fails every single time. And when he goes to battle, one of the things you see at the end of the book of Revelation, he's going to battle against the armies of the East. And at that moment, they all make the stupidest decision ever. They decide to turn on Jesus because Jesus has appeared in the air and he's coming back in victory and billions of his followers are following him, flying through the air. He turns on Jesus and Jesus speaks. And when he speaks, the word of God that comes out of his mouth cuts down all the enemies. And after it cuts down all the enemies, the Antichrist and the individual known as the false prophet are caught and dropped alive into the lake of fire where they'll spend eternity. And so there is, yes, an individual Antichrist coming. But there are spirits of Antichrist and those who act as an Antichrist. There is the one individual that people usually focus on, but there are spirits of Antichrist that try to promote his agenda before he arrives. And it is the job of the church to resist the agenda of the Antichrist, to hold back, as we learn from the uh, books of Thessalonians, the activities the Antichrist will try to do in our day, in our age. So whether Jesus comes back in our generation or a future generation, it is the job of every generation of believers who are the salt and the light to hold back the work of the Antichrist. Now let's keep going. We'll come back to it in a little bit and when we get further in this book. But you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. Go ahead, put in the chat, say all things. I'm going to say out loud, put in the chat, say all things. This anointing is the counter to the deception the spirits of Antichrist are trying to bring. The anointing is the counter to what the spirit of Antichrist are trying to bring against these churches. Say the anointing, the anointing. Now this anointing in context, we see here in verse 20, verse 27, of course it is the anointing that flows from the Holy Spirit, it is the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer, which reminds us of what Jesus said in John chapter 16. So go with me to John chapter 16, verse 13. John chapter 16, verse 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Remember, the Holy Spirit is called the spirit of truth, and he wants to guide you into all truth. So if he's guiding you to all truth, he will guide you away from deception. He will guide you away from lies. One of the hallmarks of the end times, when people talk about the end times in Matthew 24, or things written in 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians, the book of Revelation and Daniel, there's a lot of things people talk about. People talk about the wars and the rumors of war, the earthquakes, the natural disasters, the famine, the wickedness of people. But one of the things people usually live out, which is a hallmark of the end times that so many scriptures mention, 
is deception. The gross, great deception of the days. And there is a lot of deception in our world now, and the deception will continue to increase. Deceivers will wax worse and worse. They will be deceived, and they will continue to try to deceive others. But one of the counters to that is first knowing what the truth is. What is the truth? Jesus says in John 17 that your word is true. God's word is true. You have to know the truth. You have to abide in the truth, which is one of the things that first John really emphasizes. Abide, remain, stay, stay connected to the truth and in the truth and let that truth live on the inside of you and live big on the inside of you. But the other counter that comes with living in the word and living in that word of truth, remember it's the belt of truth that holds up your spiritual armor, is the anointing of God, is the leading of the Holy Spirit, letting you know what's good, what's not good, is that peace that comes from him that tells you, yeah, that's right, that's not right. So we have to learn how to be people of the book and people who are led by the Spirit of God. It'll keep us safe from the deception of these days. Go back to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Notice what he tells them, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. Why do you know all things? Because the one who's on the inside of you knows it. The one who lives on the inside of you knows everything and he wants to teach you everything. There's nothing hidden and nothing mysterious that the Holy Spirit can't teach you. He will teach you and he'll never contradict the book. He'll never contradict the word of God. And so one of the things people like, so well, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I don't know what I'm gonna do. That's not completely true because the one who knows what to do lives on the inside of you. If you want to make it accurate, you can say, well, I don't know what to do yet, but I'll know exactly what I need to know. Because the Holy Spirit wants to show you things to come. He wants to guide you in all truth. He wants to answer the difficult questions. He wants to show you the truth and let illuminate you, let light shine on the dark areas of your life. Remember, the Spirit of the Lord is the, the Spirit. Your Spirit is the candle of the Lord. That means He enlightens it and uses it to lead you through the dark times. So the Holy Spirit will enlighten your Spirit and you'll know what to do. We learned that from Proverbs. So let's keep going. John tells them, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and that no lies are the truth. He gives another reminder. You know the truth. Because sometimes we can psych ourselves out. Oh, I don't know the truth. I don't know that much. I don't know the word. Yeah, you might not know as much as you're going to know, but you know the truth. Especially if you've been taught the word like the, these churches have. If you open your mind to deception, well, I don't know the truth, then you'll be deceived. And John reminds them, they know the truth. And the thing is, you know the truth, and you're supposed to grow in the knowledge of the truth. We see that in First Timothy. He reminds them, you know the truth. He says, I'm writing to you because you know the truth. Now, sometimes when we read letters are written for different purposes. Like, okay, you guys messed up here. You blew it big here, and you're doing something crazy over there. got to correct you. But John said, I'm writing to you because you do know the truth. So this whole letter is written to people who know the truth. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar? But he who denies Jesus is the Christ. Remember, Christ is not Jesus' last name. It describes who he is. Jesus, the anointed one. Jesus has the anointing. So who is a liar? But he who denies that Jesus is anointed. Now notice what he says next is a strong statement. He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Notice it says he is the Antichrist but he is against the anointed one. He is against the anointing. 
the one who denies the Father and the Son. That's the person who's against the anointed one. You remember I said John's going to circle back to these things and amplify it every time he comes to it. He says, whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So there are different things and different deceptions and attacks coming against the church. I'm sure some of them were saying, well, we got God, we have the Father. And John is correcting them, says, if you deny the Son, you don't have the Father either. But he who announced the Son has the Father also. Let's go to verse 24. Therefore, let that abide in you, which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. So remember, we said that word abide. We looked at from John 14 and 15 and 16. And that the, you know, one of the things interesting about John 14 and 15 and 16, this Holy Week, is these are some of the last things that Jesus told his disciples before he left the table and headed to the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's telling them the importance of abiding and letting God's word abide in them and them abiding in Jesus. He says, so let that word abide in you. Or like the Apostle Paul said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. So let this word abide in you, stay in you, remain in you, stay connected to this word. Let this word continually to increase in you. This same word that you heard from the beginning. And if you what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you will also abide in the Son and the Father. Remember that word abide means to remain connected. And so in John, he talked about what happens when you're connected, but he also talks about what happens when you're disconnected. And when you're disconnected, you can't bear fruit. When you're disconnected, you wither. When you're disconnected, you're separated. So he says, remain connected. If you remain connected, you bear much fruit. And that's how our Father is glorified, because we bear much fruit. If, you have, if what you've heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. Remember, eternal life is not just the quantity of life, but is also the quality of life. Eternal life doesn't just begin when you die and go to heaven. As soon as you're born again, you've stepped in to a phase of the eternal life of God. Eternal life, that life of God is in you now. And this is what Jesus promised to all those who believe, eternal life. These things I've written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. So he's reminded, I'm writing to you because there are people who are trying to actively trick you. And he counters the deception once again, saying, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. Now, let's keep this scripture in context because some people can take in context. See, I don't need any teachers. No one needs to teach me the Bible. Me and Jesus by myself with my Bible is enough. Because see, the scripture says no one needs to teach me. Keep it in context. He is countering those who are trying to deceive them with this false doctrine. And what is that counter? You don't need to listen to what they're saying to you. You, don't not, you do not need to listen to what those deceivers are saying. You do not need to listen to their false doctrine. You do not need to listen to say that they know the real way to God and they know how to really get you close to God. You don't have to listen to that. What they're saying is untrue. All those things we've covered about what they believed and what these deceivers are trying to push into the church. He says, you do not have to listen to them. You do not have to teach them. 
because the anoint, you don't have to listen to them teach you because the anointing you've received from Jesus abides in you and you don't need them to teach you the way to God. You don't need them to teach you how to get to the Father because that same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie. And just as it's taught you previously, you will abide in him. So John, once again, it's countering their teaching line upon line, precept upon precept, reminding them that they know the truth, reminding them of the importance of abiding in the truth, and I'm reminding them of the anointing that's on the inside of them. So let's join in with the reminder. Say, the anointing is within me. Come on, say it out loud and put it in the chat. Say, the anointing is within me. Let's join in this reminder. Say, the anointing is within me. The anointing is on the inside of you. So say, the anointing teaches me. Come on, say it out loud and put it in the chat. Say, the anointing teaches me. Come on, say it out loud and put it in the chat. Say, the anointing teaches me. Now, I want you to say this. I'm a good student. I listen to my teacher. Say it loud and put it in the chat. Say, I'm a good student. I listen to my teacher. One more time. Say it loud, put it in the chat. Say, I'm a good student. I listen to my teacher. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it's taught you, you will abide in him. Let's go to verse 28. Hey, it looks like we'll be able to finish chapter 2 tonight. Verse 28. And now, little children, hear the heart of a spiritual father once again. Abide in him. Notice how many times he said this phrase, abide, all in this chapter. It's very key. One of the key words of chapter two is the word abide. One of the key words of chapter two is abide. And now little children abide in him. That when he appears, we may have confidence. Now this word confidence, this Greek word for confidence is mentioned four times. Sometimes it translated boldness, but it's mentioned four times in the book of first John. And it's a key understanding that John will amplify later. And now little children abide in him that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Notice this. He says that when Jesus appears, when he comes back, we can have confidence when he shows up and not be ashamed and not be embarrassed. That not only are we expecting his return, but when he shows up, we have confidence. I go, oh, I wonder if I did everything right. Oh, I wonder if I lived right. No, 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 no. Abide in him, stay connected to him, remain in him. Do all the things he was telling you, John 14, 15, 16, echo to you in this chapter. And because if you do those things, when he appears, you're going to have confidence. You're going to have boldness. And you see what this confidence and boldness gets you later through 1 John when he amplifies it again and circles back to it. And you won't be ashamed when Jesus comes back. One of the things you have to understand, Jesus is coming back. And we'll talk about this on Sunday. He told them he would be raised from the dead. But you know also what he told them in those last couple weeks? And then he told them again and again and again. He told them different parables about how the kingdom of God, what they thought the physical, visible parent of the kingdom of God, wasn't going to be immediate, but it was a long way away. And he talked about him going on a long journey and coming back. 
Jesus is coming back again. Whether he comes in our generation or another generation, Jesus is coming back. And we'll get into chapter three next week and what John says, why we should keep this hope of the soon coming of Jesus in our heart and the benefits of that. We'll get into that next week. But you always have to remember, Jesus is coming back. Whether he comes back in another generation or our generation, every day we get closer to his return. And we have to keep in our mind that Jesus is coming again. Jesus will return. People say, oh, no, he's not going to show up. Oh, no, he will show up. And we'll talk more about that on Sunday. And as we get into it next week, Jesus will return. He will. And you know what that should make us do? That shouldn't make us run to our prayer closets or run into the basement and hide. It should make us be encouraged and embolden us to do what Jesus has called us to do because the time is short. Go ahead and say that loud and put it in the chat. Say the time is short. Jesus will return. Go ahead, say that loud and put it in the chat. Say, the time is short. Jesus will return. Jesus is coming back again. And it's time for all of us to remember that. It's time for all of us to remember that Jesus will return. And because he's coming back again, we have work to do. We must get done what he has called us to do. We must accomplish the work he's called us to do. The baton has been passed to us, to our generation, to take it further. And if it is our job of our generation to complete this course and end the church age, then we must run with all the bonus energy and strength and anointing we have. We must do what God has called us to do. Because there's much work to for the return of the Lord. Verse 29. If you know that he, Jesus, is righteous, the word righteous there, yes, it's righteous. It means confirming completely to the will of God. You know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. And I love how the New King James translate this word in the Greek practice. Some of the King James says to do it. But this word practice lets you know that this is not a one-time thing. This is a lifestyle. So the person who lives righteously, who lives according to the will of God, you know is born of God. And so this is another sign. And he's countering the deception. Remember, he talked about if you belong to Jesus, you should live the way he lived. You should walk the way he walked. And this is a reminder as we close out this chapter. If you know that Jesus is righteous, then you know everyone who belongs to him, who's born of him, practices righteousness. They live according to the will of God. And what is the will of God? The word of God. We need to live according to the word because that pleases God. And we live according to the word while we walk in love because it's impossible to live according to the word without walking in love. Walking in love and living according to the word is living according to the truth, is being led by that anointing that lives on the inside of you. The anointing is teaching you, and I'm sure he's going to teach you more things tonight before you go to bed and when you wake up in the morning. Be open to hear his voice as he shows you things to come. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for everything we share tonight. Oh, we thank you for your word. Oh, we thank you for the understanding of the Holy Ghost, the great teacher who lives within us and rests upon us and dwells among us. Help us to be sensitive to his voice and not fall into the deception that's in the world, the gross darkness in the world. But tune our ears, tune our hearts to the voice of truth, to tune our hearts to the voice of the Spirit of God. Yes, for there's many things you want to say to us even tonight and in the morning so that we're prepared for the season you're taking us into. 
So Father, help us to be sensitive to your voice. Help us not to get too busy to listen. Help us not to be distracted. We only can do this with you. We only can follow you with your help, walking every single step of the way. But I sense and I know very strongly there's more things you want to say to all of us, all of us tonight and in the morning. So help us awaken our ears to hear and follow you every single step of the way. I thank you for even wanting to share with us, to talk with us. It's an honor and a privilege to hear your voice and obey what you tell us to do. So grant us the strength to obey, to follow you fully. Grant us boldness and grant us ears to hear eyes to see a heart receive, know, and understand what you say unto us. And we give you all the glory on and praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. And so be it. Praise God. Glory to God, I sense the anointing of God. Thank you for streaming this message. I believe it encouraged you and it's going to help you make Jesus famous in your everyday life. We would love to be, stay connected with you. So subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, our YouTube channel, download our Faith Plus app, and visit us at FCCGA.com to learn more about our ministry. If you would like to support our ministry financially, you can also do so by our website at FCCGA.com or by texting FCCGA to 73256. If you would like to submit a prayer request, you can do so at our website as well. We would love to agree with you in faith, and we know you'll receive an answer according to the Word of God. Once again, thank you for streaming this message, and remember, God has a great plan for your life, and something good is going to happen to you today, so expect miracles. God bless.